Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Yeah, it's a sad thing to say, but that's classic Andrew Cuomo. Um, a lot of people in New York State have received those phone calls. Uh, you know, the bullying is nothing new. Um, I believe Ron Kim, and it's very, very sad. No public servant, no person who's uh, telling the truth should be treated that way. So this guy Ron Kim in New York, a Democrat who had come forward and and you know and and criticized the. Andrew Cuomo's office for clearly lying about how many people they killed with their bad policy says that Cuomo called him up and threatened to ruin him. And so he went, you know, on the record with that to the press. Cuomo came out and said, I never said anything the same. And then a whole bunch of politicians came out yesterday, including that guy there you just heard, the freaking mayor of New York, Bill de Blasio, saying, oh, yeah. Uh, we've all been on the end of that kind of bullying from Andrew Cuomo. I know I have, so I absolutely believe uh, Mr. Kim. T- to me, I found that just stunning. So this guy and his family was able to run roughshod over New York for all these years, treating people like this and keep it a secret, more or less? How does it's that happen? It's got just a little bit of the feel of the mob to it. Really it really does. How does, but how, do you, how does that stay secret all these years? Let's talk to Lon Hee Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, host of the fabulous podcast, Crossing Lines with Lon Hee Chen. He joins us now. Lon Hee, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good morning, gentlemen. I just wonder, in general, the way politics works, what's the leverage the Cuomo family had over people to where they could treat people that way and have such enemies but still succeed? How does that even work? Well, you know, there's an old saying, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think when you have a regime that's been a, a big part of state politics and a big part, particularly of the Democratic Party machinery, you know, the, the interesting part of this is that 
Cuomo is not uh, beating up on Republicans, right? I mean, he, he does. He does his fair share of that. But he's beating up uh, on people in his own party, and he uses the leverage that he and his family have. He uses the, the, the fact that they have a tremendous amount of influence in state politics. And this goes to the, the problem with dynastic politics in our country. Yeah, absolutely. These, these dynasties that, that think they're entitled to stay in power. And it goes beyond that. It goes from dynastic power to the problem with one party rule. When you have one party that's been in charge of a state for as long as Democrats have been in charge in New York. And by the way, it's not just a New York thing. It's an Illinois problem. And yeah, it's a California problem. When you have one party that's been in charge for as long as it has, this is what you get. You get bullies, you get thugs, you get people like Andrew Cuomo. Well, Andrew yeah. Cuomo's dad, Mario Cuomo, was he governor or mayor? Governor. Governor of New York uh, also. Course, so yeah, it goes way back. Yeah. And, and of course, you know Cuomo's brothers on CNN every night. So, right, of course. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's not just politics. It's the politics, media, industrial complex in the state of New York that has perpetrated that has continued to to allow uh, Andrew Cuomo to perpetrate the things he's been perpetrating. And, you know, the fact that these stories are just coming to light now, really, no one should be surprised at, at his behavior. Well, I appreciate Jack being repulsed by that sort of politics because it is repulsive. But as a guy who grew up uh, right next to Mayor Daley's Chicago, the idea of brutal bullying and machine politics is pretty familiar. Hey, I understand there are, there are a lot of factions within New York uh, politics. I'm not really hip to New York State uh, politics. Lonnie, do you know much about that? Yeah, I don't follow it as closely, but I, I've heard that much from, uh, from, from folks who I know out there who follow it. There's a, you know, there's a Cuomo line, and, and you'll remember actually back in 1992 when Bill Clinton ran for president, a lot of people thought Cuomo was going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party that year. And, and it wasn't going to be this, you know, Arkansas no-name governor who, who, who nobody had ever heard of before. And it, it turns out, I, I mean, some of the stories go that Cuomo was brought down by some elements of, of the Democratic machine in his own state because there were elements of Cuomo uh, who, who weren't part of that Cuomo line, who didn't like him and decided that they wanted to help take him out. So. Yeah, it, it gets pretty nasty out there. But, you know, that's the thing. These one-party uh, politics in states like New York and California, it can get pretty nasty within the Democratic Party in these states. That's interesting. Well, it's got to be about faction and personality because it's not about policy, generally speaking, if you have one-party right. rule. And obviously, uh, meanwhile, obviously they th- and obviously they think, gov- or like de Blasio and others, think Governor Cuomo's damaged enough that they can be honest all of a sudden. de Blasio saying, oh, yeah, I've been on the other end of those phone calls many times. Everybody has. Well, and, and bear in mind, de Blasio and Cuomo hate each other. They, they have had a, a difficult relationship for many years, and de Blasio and Cuomo have had a number of really awkward news conferences where they basically sit, each other like, sit next to each other like, uh, you know, two passive-aggressive, uh, you know, former spouses. And it, it, oh, it's very, a very, very awkward interaction between the two of them. Lon Chan of the Hoover Institution is on the line. Meanwhile, on the other coast, you have lunkhead governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who it's looking like is going to be recalled. What do you make of that? Well, people are uh, are upset with him. And, you know, the, the funniest thing that I hear is when Newsom and his defenders argue that this is some Republican plot. I'll <laughs> tell you something. I know a lot of people who live in, in my part of California, a very progressive part of California, otherwise are very supportive of Democratic politicians and Democratic politics who are just fed up with Gavin Newsom because of his incompetence. 
And it, it has to do with not being able to get done the basic blocking and tackling. You know, things like can you run a system that gets people who need unemployment compensation, that compensation without giving money to a bunch of crooks? You know, can you uh, actually administer a vaccine program that's not worse than the vaccine program that exists in, you know, at least half of the other states? <laughs> and you get the schools open, you know, instead of in, instead of bowing continuously to pressure from special interests. Can you actually do what it takes, you know, to grow up, actually lead and get the schools open so we can stop denying a generation of kids the education that they need and deserve. That's the kind of stuff that really ticks well, people off. And it's not a Republican thing. It's not a Republican thing yeah, at all. Yeah, I, I think his incompetence stems from the fact that he's incompetent is really what happens there. Well, well yeah, the, the Eastern media elite just say he was damaged by dining at the French Laundry during his own shutdown. Well, that absolutely was kind of a pivotal moment, but the, the administration has done nothing right. For those of you listening in the rest of the country, the the Newsom administration has fumbled everything. Their list of victories is empty. They're still waiting for number one. Their dry erase board has the number one on it, but nothing else. I was wondering, since, since you've worked with you know pretty successful candidates, you know working on Marco Rubio's campaign and Mitt Romney's campaign and stuff like that, how we identify these 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 politicians early on and think that guy could be president someday and then we're so wrong like like rick perry was so not ready for the national stage and gavin newsom was so not ready for the state stage let alone the national stage what goes on there with just the, the not recognizing what's underneath the veneer of of looking presidential well, I, I don't think Gavin Newsom was ready to be on the stage for a fourth grade class play, let alone uh, <laughs> being, being the, on the stage to be considered a presidential candidate. I mean, look, you're right. What happens is media hype develops. You know, you you, you got a guy who's some Beto is another great example of that. No, oh, please. Yeah, I mean, people people think, oh, here's a guy who's reasonably good looking. He can string together a sentence and a coherent thought every once in a while. Uh, yeah, let's make this guy president. And, and by the way, you know, Newsom has a tremendous amount of personal wealth, and I think that contributes to the conversation as well. Anytime you've got someone who gets into politics who's reasonably successful at some level and also has a lot of cash, they think, oh, here's someone who could be president. And and really what it goes to is we need to do a much better job of evaluating what our leaders are and are not doing. Absolutely. And if, 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 if Newsom had not been confronted with crisis, he could have skated right through, and who knows? He may have yep. been a leading candidate for the president. Oh, absolutely. But what 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 crisis does is it forces us to test our leaders, and it forces us to see who can lead and who can't. And Newsom has failed miserably at that task. And he's not the only one, by the way. Andrew Cuomo. We've talked about a few of the other governors who've done a horrible job. Uh, we really are able to see those who succeed and those who fail in a very real way. And it's an awful thing because people have suffered through this crisis. But it does allow us to see who who can lead and who can't. And, and I think that's a very, very important part of this whole episode we need to take from it. Well, now, I'm going to have to fist fight Jack during the commercials for bringing this up, but I'm ready to do it. I've been reading about Ron DeSantis in Florida. The flip how he's side, done a really yeah. good job, speaking of governors, and uh, people are starting to buzz about him in 2024. Any early take? Do you know him? Do you know his act? Is, is he one of those golden boys who's about to turn rusty? Or what do you think? I don't know him well. I've followed what he's done in Florida. And, and the answer is he's he's tried to follow what the science has told him, but also his, his instincts about what the state needs, what the state's kids needs, and what the state's businesses need. And they've tried to balance 
between, you know, try, you know, being safe, keeping people safe, but also trying to get Florida reopened. And, and I think by and large, he's done a pretty good job. You know, there've been some hiccups, but you know, that's one of those things where I'm sure governor DeSantis would say, look, look at my record, look at my record to determine if I'm ready to lead or not. And, and that's something I wish more politicians would say is take a look at my record, not just the good parts, but, but all of it and make a decision based on everything I've done. Do you think I'm worthy of leading or not? And you know what? Not everything's going to be good. But I'll bet you if you look at Ron DeSantis's record and you compare it to what Gavin Newsom or Andrew Cuomo have done, Ron DeSantis comes out pretty favorably, <laughs> you know. So I'll take I'll take that bet any day of the week. It's faint praise, but that might be the appropriate phrase as we look for future leaders. Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Lon He, thanks a million. Always great to talk. Appreciate yeah, really it. good. Great to be with you guys. Thanks. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad I brought any of that stuff up. There's some really interesting takes on that. Oh, yeah, Lon, he's always just are, terrific. Are, are we uh, maturing as a society to a point where maybe we can look past the, well, they look good on TV and have a clever line, so maybe they should be the most powerful person in the world based on that? Mm, the average voter is uh, mm, maybe a two-thirds wit. Not a half wit. God, he's, abs- he's absolutely right. If there hadn't been a crisis, everything cruises along. Economy's decent, blah, blah, blah. Normal stories are in the news. Gavin easily cruises to top-tier discussion among Democratic candidates. Right, just based on Beto-like adoration from the media. Yeah. Didn't have to do anything. Just stood there and looked pretty or creepy, depending on who you ask. <laughs> And now he's going to get recalled as governor, and his political career is over. Yeah, yeah. You know what would be interesting? Well, it will be interesting to follow, is California is so utterly corrupt and ungovernable and mobbed up and one party and the rest of it. I don't know if if God Almighty himself could be the uh, successful governor of California. It may just be too big and messy and corrupt. I, I'm I'm still amazed. I know you grew up with corrupt politics, so you're you're not surprised by it. But that Andrew Cuomo could, in the modern era where people leak phone calls and texts and all kinds of stuff like that, still call up people and threaten them, just flat out threaten them and get away with it. Oh yeah, I will end your career, hundred percent. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, his no. time's up too. Good, thank God, and the whole Cuomo family. It would sound like. Yeah, they don't teach you this as a kid, but uh, government is every bit as much forget about it. It is as it is. I'm just a bill, and I'm only a bill. You know, it's both. Forget about it. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.